I remember the phone call that I received uh, in May 2014. I remember exactly where I was. I was on Nichols Hill Road um, going to work to Asbury Seminary. And uh, Rochelle was on the other end. She was at a conference. And I remember that she had had some tests run and she was calling about these tests. And I don't know if you've ever had conversations like this, but when the dreaded C word comes up, cancer, honey, I have cancer. It's almost like the bottom falls out. The range of emotions just are overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that with a loved one or a friend or anything like that where you, you get those, that, those, those three words, I have cancer. And you're like, for me, it was a range of fear. It was a range of two, it's gonna be okay. Then it was a range of fear. And then the whole time, my wife is crying on the other end and I can't be there to comfort her. I remember that conversation. It's like it was set in time, emblazoned, tattooed on my heart. I remember the, the pendulum, the, the swaying of emotions. I remember just feeling helpless. And it was in that moment, though, that God said something to me. And he said, he said, it's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. Do you trust me? And it was in that moment I was like, my wife has cancer, God. <laughs> There's a lot of ways that I've seen people that trust you go down with cancer. Some have ended up good, some have ended up bad. What do you mean, do I trust you? Do you trust me? Do you realize what I, what I, who I am and what I'm about? Do you trust me with your wife? Do you trust me with your own heart? Do you trust me in this moment? And all the while we're having this conversation, I remember it was almost like my Damascus Road experience like Paul in the, in the first couple chapters of Acts. It was just me and God talking this through. And I'm not even the one that has cancer, but I'm, I'm thinking through my mind all these different emotions. I can't imagine what my wife was feeling. That's her story to tell, but this is, this is mine. And so as I'm walking through this, all the while Jesus is saying, do you trust me? I don't know how many things that you've gone through in your life. I don't know how many challenges you may have had. I don't know how many encounters with maybe it was cancer. Maybe it was a, a loved one going through a difficult time. Maybe it was a financial thing and you, you didn't have enough money. To, you didn't know if you're going to make it to the end of the month. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've had any challenges in your life. I think we all have. But the question I have to ask you this morning is, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him? When you come to these points in life, can you trust him? Because let's be honest, there are times in life, it's hard. The words of, of uh, my college students, sometimes it sucks. The suck is real. And the reality is, is that life is not all a bag of chips and some dip. It's not, although that is delicious. There are times that life throws you curveballs. And sometimes there are things that you can't even control. 
We couldn't control cancer. That's out of our control. We could have eaten as many antioxidant berries in our lifetime, and who knows, it may not have done any difference. It just happens. And there's things we can control. You know, how I interact at work. If I don't like my job, I can control how I interact there. I have that ability. My coworkers don't control that, I control that. And so sometimes we have these challenges and different things on us and there's things out of our control, things within our control and how we interact with that. And I wanna talk about just a real poignant story in the first couple months of the church. And let me paint the backdrop. Peter and John, they're disciples. Well, they have, uh, they, have, uh, they have seen Jesus. He has risen from the dead. He's been crucified, dead, buried. He's rose from the grave. Pentecost has happened. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been poured out onto the church of believers, probably about 150 people at this point. And Peter and John, they're walking up to the temple. And they come to a place called a beautiful gate. And to the, to the right of them, um, this lame man gets dropped off by some friends, family members. I don't know who they are, but they drop him off. He's been begging at this gate for almost all of his life. All he has known is begging at the beautiful gate. He's lame. And he sees Peter and John walking by and he says, excuse me, could I have some money? That's what I would like to think he says. They always do British accents. And Peter and John turn to the lame man. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And this man gets up and he walks and he's like, I don't know if you couldn't walk for like all of your life and you could suddenly walk, I think you'd be doing, you know, whip, yeah, you know, little day. So you're probably gonna be dancing. You're gonna get up, you're gonna get hyped, you're gonna be excited. And so this is what happens. This guy, he's like their, he's like their like world's greatest fan. He's running around, he's praising God. He's following them all the way to the temple. They're at the gate of Jerusalem. I don't know how far that is, but I'm sure it's not 100 yards, okay? So dude is following them all the way to the temple. And all these people are seeing this guy. They're like, hey, isn't that the lame dude that was at the gate? How's he walking? As Mac would say, how's comes? How's comes that dude's walking? Is it? He, and the guy starts talking, yeah, 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 yeah. These guys that came over, I was asking for money. They said, walk. I got up. I walked. It was amazing. And then Peter sees the excitement. And let me, let me say this. I'm not going to read the scripture, but he sees this excitement. He sees the people. And this is a sermon for another time. But it says Peter sees the opportunity. Let me just say this. There are times in your life, there are going to be opportunities that God gives you to speak up, to give, to love, to be Jesus in the midst of someone that needs something, that's desperate, whatever it may be. Peter saw this opportunity. Don't miss out on those opportunities. That's another sermon for another time. Sees the opportunity, and Peter preaches the sermon of his lifetime. Jesus, crucified, dead, and buried. Talks about how 
how you, you rejected him, but you didn't know what you're doing because God had a plan and he is your salvation. And by the droves, like thousands of people come to know, I think it was like 3,000. 3,000 people at that point in time came to know Jesus. And we pick up on the story, the teachers, the Pharisees, the, the priests, they see what's going down. And this is chapter four. And while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple, the guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were, were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them. And since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now total about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Peter learned this from Jesus. I mean, Jesus would always turn around with a good question. That's so good. I love that. I need to learn how to ask questions, not give answers. Uh, do you want to know? That's another sermon for another day. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to, the, to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given, him no, has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' Jesus's name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So here we have Peter and John. They're, they are being brought in for questioning with the high priest and all the ruling class, spiritual class of the, of the group. They're, they're a little concerned because if you don't remember, they're the ones that crucified Jesus. They thought, we thought this thing was dead and gone. And here these guys come around. They're normal dudes. I think that dude's a fisherman. I don't know. But normal people coming around and they're bringing up that Jesus rose from the dead. I thought we got rid of this problem. But we can't deny because just like Jesus, 
I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, by the way. They didn't say it. But just like Jesus, miraculous signs are happening. Jesus would heal right in front of them. Can't deny that. The guy that had been lame for 40 years is around walking, praising his name, his head off. I can't deny that. But yet, I, we can't have them disrupting the natural order of things. Jesus is not the Messiah. So don't do that, Peter and John. Don't do that. And why do you think Peter and John responded the way they did? That we, we, can't, we can't not talk about this. We cannot speak up. It's because they encountered a resurrected Jesus. Did you hear it in the, the message or into what he was telling the elders? We've encountered Jesus, not dead, not crucified. We've encountered a, an alive Jesus who was dead, smelled like the rot, but now he's alive. We saw a brother go up into heaven. We've experienced something that I can't deny. How, how can I not talk about this? And there's something about the resurrection, hear me clearly, that makes Christianity so different. And why it's so important not to stop at the cross. I know we sing about the cross. The cross paid it all. Amen. But the resurrection is what gives us the hope to look what's ahead. So when we're going through challenging times, when Peter and John are in front of a court where they probably could have had them crucified as well if they really wanted to, they probably would have started another riot. But in front of the ruling class, they say, we're not gonna stop. Just because they're challenged, and I'll be honest with you, if you read on through Peter's life, all the historical records, all of the disciples, except for John, which is where we get Revelation from, and a couple epistles later, all the other disciples were martyred for the cause of Christ. There's something surreal and powerful about that, that these men who saw Jesus face to face were not gonna back down when they were challenged. And not just because that they're stubborn. Now, Peter was a little stubborn. He basically, you know, cut off a guy's ear when they tried to arrest Jesus and did lots of things. Peter's my, probably my role model when it comes to following Jesus. Do it wrong and then say, I'm sorry, and then move on. Um, but <laughs> it's true. Everyone's laughing. That's right. You do do things wrong. Um, I heard an amen from Rochelle over there. Um, <laughs> But the thing about the resurrection is this, is that not only is it the hope of what's to come that Peter and John are looking at, but it's the hope and the abundant life now. Is that in Christ, the resurrection just not only impacts that we will be raised from the dead and be one with him and when his return comes, because that's coming, but the resurrection impacts life now, that in the midst of challenges, in the midst of time where cancer comes up, 
joblessness or financial distress or friendships on, on, on the fritz or relationships not working out or feeling inadequate and all these different things, your next steps in life and the stress and all these different challenges that we have and encounter as human beings and in our culture and life and all these other things. The resurrection should impact that. It's not that those things won't be hard. It's that those things in Jesus, that I trust Jesus because he is not only the crucified one, but he is the all-powerful resurrected one, that he gives life, he gives it abundantly, and that even in the hard times, yes, even when I'm afraid, even when I think this could be it, cancer is bad. It has taken my, several of my aunts and uncles. But I can trust you, Jesus. Because even in the midst of the fear and the helplessness, I know that you are good. And that even in the hard times, there can be a sense of peace a sense of joy. There's a sense that, that we can lean into that. We may not be bringing that to the table, but he does. And that's why we're leaning into him. And that's why Peter and John could go before spiritual leaders that had their, their Messiah leader killed because the resurrection was all it took. We too can live this life in a resurrected way. It's just the first initial step. Do you trust Jesus? Jesus, are you true to your word? No matter the outcome of that challenge, I'm going to trust you I'm going to lean into you because I believe that you love me. And you have a peace that passes all understanding. Resurrection power. It doesn't just start with the cross where we have our sins forgiven. But it brings abundant life. Because after the resurrection, guess what happened? That's when the pouring the spirit came, right? And so we have this opportunity to live a life that is abundant and resurrected right here, right now. I'd like to take a moment, if you guys would just bow your heads. I'd like for Jared to start this song. Father, right now, we just come before you and we say, Jesus, have your way. We trust you. You are our king. You are our resurrected king. You love us and we give you praise in your name, in Jesus' name.